0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the AI Premier League Preview Pod. The night after the Reds sent Neymar and Co back to Paris with nothing courtesy of a late goal from a supposedly one-eyed Roberto Firmino. On tonight's F-Pod, we'll be discussing that performance and looking ahead to this weekend's game as Southampton arrive at Anfield. So joining me to discuss the game, I'm delighted to welcome back AI contributor Mark Roberts, and from Southampton fan site Fresh Saints, we welcome Sam Cox. Welcome, guys.
0: Cheers, Harry. Even guys. Nice Thank nice you for having me.
1: me. No, great great to speak to you both. I mean, there's plenty to talk about on both fronts, let's face it, really, but... um. Um, as usual, guys, we're going to start with the rival fans sort so section of the pod and uh, uh, bring in Sam to talk about uh, uh, Southampton. So, um, Sam, I mean, every rival fan we've got on so far this season, because I mean we're, we're five or six games in, of course, but you know we're still pretty early on. So, we want to ask you first what your final thoughts were uh, on last season, um, exactly sort of why you f- you think you found yourself in the relegation battle that you did find yourself in. Um, where of course you eventually sort of eluded the drop by about three points, um, exactly three points rather, um, in seventeenth. Mm-hmm. I mean, why do you think that you ended up in that situation?
2: It was it was a, an accumulation of things really. Um, the Mauricio Pellegrino appointment turned out to be a disaster, um, and it was the style of play, the lack of quality, the the lack of confidence, and it was just it was just an accumulation of all those things coming to the forefront and we just we just couldn't build momentum we couldn't get goals and we couldn't keep them out and obviously if you're doing that then there's only one way that you're going
1: No of course I mean obviously goals were an issue but I mean you mentioned there the Pellegrino appointment uh, turning out to be a disaster of course with the benefit of hindsight we can definitely look at that and see it but I'm interested, I mean, I'm not trying to be in any way sort of perverse about this as well in terms of the Van Dyke situation, but obviously he came in and that was looming over his head in terms of, you know, a team star player wanting uh, to leave the club. And that obviously causing a lot of, you know, it's it's going to cause any manager issues, let alone sort of Pellegrino coming in there. Do you think that he was sort of inhibited by that? coming in and as a result wasn't perhaps able to spend as he perhaps should have done and get the players in that he needed or do do you think it was more of a a style issue with him
2: um to be honest with you it's probably the latter um obviously coming into a football club you you want it to go smoothly and of course with that looming over your head it's not not the best of situations and and to be perfectly honest I, i felt that at the time he handled it quite well um He, he obviously sent Van Dyke to train on his own for certain periods and and then tried to bring him back into the team. But of course, when a player's head's not, not right for the, for the club and his performances won't be as strong as, as they perhaps should. Um, alluding to your, the, the second point, um, I think it was mostly a style issue. Um, the, the Pellegrino way was, you know, it was very uh, rigid. It was very pessimistic. It was very wary of the other team instead of focusing on our, our on our strengths. Um, and and I just feel that um, when 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 the quality came out of the of the squad, because there is quality in it. If we took a, took a lead, then he would be naive to the fact that perhaps. He needs to change something to, or maybe even try and go and, and, and double the leader. I and if you look at a couple of games, for example, we played Burnley at home and, and Huddersfield at home. I know at Burnley we we were drawing nil at the time, but Sean Dyche made a change to bring Sam Vokes on, and and he got the winner, I believe, and uh, and that. Was obviously cost us uh, a point and then at home to Huddersfield we were leading the game but then we went back into our shell as soon as we went 1-0 up um, and Wagner brought on uh, De departure and, and again he, he came on and, and, and grabbed the equaliser so it was dropped points due to tactical naivety and, and pessimistic style of play
1: Yeah it's interesting that
2: because of course I mean you you'd imagine that especially
1: when things do get sort of rather dire that you're you're going to revert to throwing strikers on trying to grab those points. It's, it's, it's strange that he sort of did sort of stick to his conservatism on that. I mean, do you have sort of any reasons for why that was? Or do you think it was just his sort of inherent sort of style of, you know, approach to the game in general that he was a conservative manager and that he just didn't see the need to, uh, you know, to throw caution to the wind and, and, and try more attacking style, even when you were struggling for points?
2: Yeah. I think I think um again it's, it's its' I think it was just him, and I think you can't I can't really begrudge him if that's his style of play. He was brought in by by the hierarchy and he's not going to turn down a Premier league job. I just feel that. It it could have he could have gone much earlier, but as you say, I think it was his just his style of play just didn't match the players on the pitch in the Premier League. I think perhaps in Spain you look at it as a much more slower style of play. Him coming from Spain, trying to bring that back, bring that to Southampton and try and grind out results, it wasn't wasn't going to be the case, especially when you lose a defender like Van Dijk and you and you're playing a quite inexperienced back line in the Premier League in terms of the centre halves with with uh, Wesley Hoyt and uh, and Jack Stevens who have both shown. Glim- glimpses of quality, but this, they weren't consistent at all last season for us. And when you li- when you uh, lose a leader in Van Dijk, I think it's very hard to for, for the players around that position to to gain any confidence. Um, I just don't feel, looking back in hindsight, it, it was it was a good fit. I just I just feel that he was too conservative. At, at times, okay, he he would bring on you know strikers when when we needed them but were in desperate need. It was almost very reactive instead of proactive to the to the issues on the field. It was very much he was waiting for us to to almost go a goal down to, to, to bring those players on or, or for the other teams to get an equaliser before we brought those players on where instead he should have been doing it before um, the, the the pattern of play changed.
1: No, certainly. I think, yeah, it's, it's perhaps then slightly odd that it took you or took the hierarchy so long to actually... Uh, sack Pellegrino obviously left. I think it was with the, just eight games left for the season. I think it was. Um, what was the general reaction then? I mean, obviously, when when you sack a manager like that, and you're thinking about maybe uh, getting in somebody new, a new face who's going to energise the team and um, uh, maybe provide a different style of of, of play. You know, obviously, with Pochettino, all those years ago when he when he came in, um, maybe plenty of people couldn't sort of see where where he would go and how just just how he would develop it as a coach but that style of play you know attacking pressing high intensity we've seen it was the likes of Marco Silva to an extent as well that's always going to get people excited Um, obviously um, the fact that you guys then ended up going for for Mark Hughes who I think had been um, associated as well as all the good runs that he'd managed to you know definitely accrue in the Premier League as well the clubs he was in Stoke for a long time of course as well um, he did become a little bit associated with the fact that Stoke were in such dire trouble as well last season. What was the general reaction around the time of of his appointment, to, um, and, and has that changed over time as well?
2: Um, at the time, um, it was it was uh, greeted with with happiness and pride because of uh, of uh, Pellegrino finally leaving. I think if Pellegrino had stayed, we would have been relegated before before any ch- any uh, chance of even salvaging it against Swansea in that in that sort of shootout. Um, uh, penultimate game of the season. Um, when Mark Hughes came in, as I said, he's a former Southampton striker himself. Came uh, the latter stage of his career. He played a couple of seasons. So again, the fans could potentially connect back with someone on the on the sideline. Um, and and of course, he he um, he um, kept us up. Of course. So um, at the end of the season, we were, we were sort of um, we really wanted him to stay. I'm uh, I was really backing that that he he stayed on at the club. Uh, I think the players players were as well, um, and of course you do as you as you as you rightly said um, with every good with Mark seems to be bad. Of course he started his career quite promisingly. He had good spells at, at Blackburn, Fulham, um, and and to some to some extent at Stoke. Of course I think it was for, uh, three top off place finishes, but of course it unravelled in the season just gone. Um, and there's always going to be question marks over managers like that. I think he's in the bracket of sort of the managerial merry go-around alongside the likes of Sam Allardyce and, and Alan Pardew, managers who always seem to pop up in the Premier League um, without having too much success. Um, I think the thing, after the start of the season, question marks are being raised because we've, we've um, perhaps should have picked up more points with the, with the fixtures on paper. Um, but i think that the the seeing a style of play which is is much more fast paced a bit more progressive um we've seen glimpses of, of it i'm not sure it's the finished article quite yet but as you say in the premier league we haven't there's not a lot of time for for patience you know when you need points so I think there's question marks now being raised after after the start of the season, but still thinking back to him keeping us in the Premier League, and and uh, and it's nice to be able to sort of connect with the manager. I think there's still a lot of I think the Saints fans are still on Mark Hughes' side at this point, at point in time.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that sort of connection between the fans and the manager because I remember when I was speaking in the past actually maybe to Aiden or somebody else from Fresh Saints actually about Southampton mm-hmm. and just talking about. Um, Claude Puel actually, and the issues yeah. that he, issues that he'd had, because it, it strikes me as interesting with him, because I think he's, he's seemingly having the same issues with Leicester as well, and it could just be completely a cultural thing. But um, mm-hmm. he's a manager with an excellent record, really. Obviously, it might take a little bit of time for things to get going. Uh, things can be a little bit boring at first, perhaps, but um, once things do get going, he, he has some, he has managed to produce some good football, some good points totals as well. But I remember the issue being with him at the time, the fact that he wasn't connecting with the fans and there was that sort of disconnect there. And um, At least, of course, here with Mark Hughes, as you mentioned, him having that sort of tie to the club, it's going to have that connection. It's going to, it's going to win him that favour already. Um, you also mentioned as well sort of, Mark Hughes in terms of his style of play um, and that things have perhaps gone a little bit faster, a little bit more attacking. Um, it's going to take time, of course, but... Um, what have you seen from sort of Hugh since he has joined the club? I mean, has there been a notice, noticeable sort of tactical shift from the way in which you were playing beforehand? Um, are, you, are you throwing more caution to the wind in terms of how maybe the the fallbacks are joining the the attack
2: mm-hmm. now? Um, I definitely feel we're, we are more attacking. Um, I think he's tried to deploy. Two strikers up top, which we haven't seen for a long, time, a long time. It's sort of reverted to a more modern day sort of four four two. 4 2 the start of the season, of course, and you, we've got Danny Ings and Charlie Austin, Gabby Adini and Shane Long. We've got relatively good options. Um, and it, and it's, and it's quite refreshing to see two strikers up front. But going back to, to, we see, we see sort of, um, patterns of play this, this season so far as we look quite good. We're playing well. We're playing much better football. It's much more, much more entertaining for the fans, and 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 we've taken a lead in the game. Um, if you look at Brighton, for example, we've 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 gone two nil up, and um, and I think it's just a, a psychological thing within the squad at the moment. It's almost from the Pellegrino days of of getting taking a lead, and then the players sort of become anxious, become, uh, go back into their shells after taking the lead and, and being so worried about conceding a goal and losing the lead and losing points, then then ultimately we do. So I, I don't think that's going to, Mark Hughes will be able to change that overnight and I think it's slowly getting there. But with with Hughes, we've seen much more attack and impetus, but we've also seen a bit, um, we also seem a little bit more fragile at the back. I think Mark Hughes, throughout his career hasn't been the best defensive manager Um, so again there are question marks that are being raised again about his ability in terms of shutting teams out and maintaining leads but I think it's a psychological thing within the squad more than anything and I think with confidence with wins um, we took great, we thought we were going to take great um, confidence out of the a win against Crystal Palace away from home, not an easy place to go. Um, and well, of course, we shut them out 2 0. You know, I know we, they were uh, without Zaha for that game. But leading 2 0 at home and throwing that away, I know uh, on the basis of play, that draw was probably a fair result. I don't think it was the best game of football to watch. But being 2 0 up at home, it's inexcusable to throw away a 2 0 lead.
1: No, certainly. that you're always going to get criticism for that. I mean, given that context, then, and that you've discussed, I mean, what have you made of sort of your, your start to the season this time round?
2: on paper it was quite uh, before a ball was, was kicked quite um, quite promising I think we are playing teams who were going to be in and around us uh, five points from five games is probably a little bit underwhelming to be to be fair but and that's why the questions are going to start being asked of Mark is because we've got a couple of tough games coming up of course against Liverpool on, on this weekend and then we go to Wolves away in the following weekend so two really difficult away games so um, we've shown as i said as i previously said i think we've shown good uh, patterns of play we've we've shown glimpses of a good style but again it, we we haven't got the points on the board that that we probably should have um in terms of the teams we've played on paper but in reality the table doesn't lie and i think we're probably where we should be i think we deserve to be crystal palace and we did so um i felt we were quite fortunate to, to we get a draw against Burnley, especially in the the opening exchanges. Everton, again, it was a we were 2 and down at half-time because of, because of uh, a, f- a few mistakes. And then we lost late on at Leicester at home after taking the lead. So I don't think we can complain about where we are, looking at our results and looking about how we've played. But as I said, on paper, I think uh, we probably expect to do a, much, uh, a little bit better.
1: Yeah, as you say, I think sometimes you can sort of get it get away with the points results not going your way of course in, in in terms of the early stages of the season if the performances are encouraging as well it sounds like from what you're saying the performances haven't been consistent enough either for you to really sort of cling on to those yet
2: No, no, I think you're, I think you're 100% correct in that I think at Burnley um, at home first half as I said we we were lucky not to be losing but the second half we looked bright um, the introduction of Danny Ings on his debut uh, sort of changed the game for us again second half Everton we Got the goal back, but we couldn't quite, quite grab it. So it's just, it's just a little phases of play which we've we've shown promising signs, but we've not been able to build on that. And I think that's going to start, um, becoming frustration, or the frustrations can uh, begin to grow on that if we can't turn the the phases of play that are positive into into goals and and results. I think we're not being quite consistent enough within the ninety minutes. Um, as I said, there's still a psychological barrier within this squad. Um. As if we, we look we look to be playing well, we and and we get a goal that we that we deserve and then and then from there we look anxious and shaky and then we don't actually see out the the points that we should get. I think Leicester was a prime example of that. We took the lead. We were playing, we played really well. I thought we were the better team, and then uh, we just again looked anxious. We conceded really really soon after after we we took the lead, and then Harry Maguire scores for what is a really soft goal from our point of view. In, in the dying seconds. So um, I think the consistency within games is something that we need to build on. We've shown glimpses, but I, as you said, I just don't think we have shown it on a consistent basis yet.
1: Mm. And of course, one way of sort of solving some of those issues as well as sort of changing the coaches, obviously with the transfers, um, and, and the players the club can bring in. In the summer, of course, just, just talk about your business a little, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the outside in, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I mean, from, from the outside in, it, it seemed that the, the key issue would really be to address the, um, the goals up top, obviously, in terms of having mm-hmm. having a striker who could provide consistent threat um, and, you know, and, and goal return, of course. Um, Charlie Austin, of course, um, proving effective when he was there, but of course the injuries, you Keeping him out and, and him not being a consistent goal scorer for you, um, and of course things drying up as well for Gabadini as well. Um, so, so seeing your business then, it's uh, Yannick Vestergaard, uh, Mohamed El Yunassi from from Basel, of course for 16 million, um, and uh, you know, Angus Gunn, Stuart Armstrong there from Celtic. But of course, the one that's caught Liverpool fans' eyes, of course, was uh, Danny Ings into the going on loan, um, suffered a number of bad injuries, left very late in the window, of course, as well um just want your sort of your opinion on the summer sure. business then and and, and whether uh, you think enough was done you know, especially considering of course van dyke was sold for for the large sum that he was in the way do you know sure. that, that, that money's been reinvested um
2: well enough um i think i think yes yes and no it is um prior to the deadline day i wouldn't have been Overly happy with our business, but of course we got Danny Ings over the line very late on in, in the transit window, as you said. And, um, I think the Van Dyke money this summer was spent well, but I think we can throw it back to last January when we, we, uh, spent 20 million on, on Guido Carrigio from Monaco, um, who, who didn't hit the ground running, didn't look any sort of the player that we needed in the relegation uh, battle. He was very much a Maurizio a Pellegrino signing in the sense that he worked with him at Estudiantes, I believe. And, and and he brought him over to Samsung and subsequently we've loaned him to Pellegrino's side, Laganas in, in Spain. Um, and, and Mark, when Mark Hughes came in he, from the outside looking at it, it looked like he just took took one look at uh, carrijo and, and, and didn't fancy him and, and he didn't feature for the rest of the season. But, uh, I think this summer, there's been, we've addressed key areas that I think we needed to address. Of course, Tadic left the club and we brought an LUCG7 from Basel, which is, looks to be a like for like swap, to be honest with you. Uh, Yannick Vestigar coming in at six foot, I think it was six foot six, six foot seven, centre half, um, who's, who's still looking to adapt, but I think he's shown quality so far. Um, Stuart Armstrong again, looks to be more of a light-for-light light replacement for Steven Davis, who looks to be sort of coming to the end of the Southampton career, maybe his career itself um, as well. Um, but I think the Danny Ings signing, and we and we we talked about it a little bit earlier, about the having an identity, having a connection with the player on the pitch, and and Saints fans get that with Danny Ings. Of course, he's a Southampton fan, he's a Southampton boy. Um, and seeing him come in and seeing him hit the ground running, he's, uh, he's Goals scored goals already, and uh, he looks to be the missing piece so far. And I think that's that's been the most promising in Seeing Danny Ings and, and and finding a player that we can connect with on the pitch again.
1: Yeah, I think from his time at Liverpool, of course, there was heavily impacted through injuries. Um, we know him to be sort of a bundle of energy. Um, has a nice sort of um, turn about him as well. Good dribble, uh, good dribbler as well. I think you saw that with the, the penalty he won at. Uh, the weekend as well. Uh, I mean, what has he added to the side apart from the obvious? you I mean, it being the, a need for goals and uh, a striker mm-hmm. who is sort of a natural finisher in the way. But but what has he added to the side um, apart from that? Has there been anything in terms of attitude that he's helped bring to the side?
2: Uh, before his arrival, of course, we hadn't seen him. I hadn't personally seen him play much. Of, I've seen him play for 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 Burnley against us, and of course, an injury hit a spell at Anfield. But what surprised me most was most was his link-up play is uh is actually really is actually really quite good. I see he drops deeper and he's able to link up um uh, with the wingers and the other forward he's playing. Um it's just a na as you say natural finisher. We haven't quite had that. I mean Austin again has that about him but his his injury record uh isn't great. Um and he's missed large spells and he's been he's unable to um build any momentum in front of goal for the club. So when Dan when Dan Ings came in, um he's he's just shown uh, an awareness, a movement, uh, a little bit more dynamic edge to our forward line that we, we've been missing for the past couple of seasons. Um, I think he's just—he's one of those uh, fox in the box strikers. You know, as soon as he as soon as he gets a sniff as a goal, and we've been we've been missing that. We've been really missing that in the past couple of seasons. And um, is his is uh, as you say his dribbling ability as well? Won the penalty against Brighton on Monday. Um, I think he's just a step above the the current strikers that we have. Um, uh, and and especially his his finishing his it's just everything about him. I think he sort of gives us a lift on the pitch when he came on. He came on for his debut against Burnley, and, and there was a lift in the ground. There was a lift, a lift on the pitch, and seeing a player come in, hit the ground running like that, it's always going to be positive for the fans and positive for the player himself. And we just hope, as you say, the injury wires are behind him, and, and he can carry on scoring goals for the season. Yeah,
1: certainly echo that as well. I think he left Anfield with plenty of sort of sort of fans and people wishing him well. He's definitely got the talent. It was just that uh, that time on the pitch that he was missing, and hopefully he can string together a number of games for you uh, for you guys this season. So I think generally, then Sam, based on everything you've said there, I mean, there, there does seem to appear to be some uncertainty over Mark Hughes, and um, even whether I mean, I'll, I'll ask you this at the end, I guess, but. I mean, it does sound like if, if things didn't go his way, perhaps you, you you could be seeing another manager before the end of the season. Hopefully not. Of course, things things do go consistently for him. But what are your general expectations? What is the fan base's sort of expectations for this season? Would a a safe sort of mid table um, finish be be satisfying for everybody?
2: I think I think so. Yes, I I, I can't see. Well, One of last season, it was far too close for comfort. Um, and I said, as I said earlier, if we hadn't have sat Pellegrino, we would have been certain, certain relegated, releg- certainly relegated. Um, so the expectations this season is a mid-table, comfortable, a comfortable mid-table finishing, um, perhaps a cut run. You know, every every club sort of below the top six who aren't going to be challenging for the league. A cut run is always something. Um, that that is a positive for the fan base um, of course we had the AFL Cup final under Puel and Hughes uh, won the game against Wigan in the quarter final to take us to Wembley last year in the semi-final so we've had relative, relatively good Cup success in the past couple of seasons so if we could could have another Cup run and a mid-table finish I think most Saints fans would bite your hand off for twelve twelve place position right now and I think if we need a bit of uh, a bit of stability now after a rocky a rocky past season. Um, so if we can have a mid table finish, um, and then we can look to build on on getting back to challenging for the for the European places which we once were under under Ronald Koeman.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think just one thing I wanted to ask as well, just before, get so, so get your brief thoughts on on perhaps how Hughes is going to approach the game this weekend. I mean, what players do you think are going to be key for you this season. Obviously, we mentioned Danny Ings there, but is there anybody who's going under the radar? even? even you so, might say that again. Um, I was just saying, in terms of key players this season, of course, um, you mentioned Danny Ings, of course, but um is there anybody who's gone under the radar already in terms of you think is going to be um, particularly influential for you guys this season?
2: I'd, I'd have to say Nathan Redmond. Nathan Redmond's looked uh, a different player from last season. Um, he's worked hard in the summer and definitely, plays his fans, something that, um, a bit different, um, from last season. Um, Nathan Redmond has, his performance this season, he's just lacked the goals and assists that perhaps, um, his performances are warranted. But I think, uh, Redmond can really be, a uh, uh, a key figure for us this season because he's shown what what he didn't last season in terms of pace, dribbling ability, being a man and, and being effective in the final third.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see whether Redmond sort of finally sort of fulfills his promise. I think there's long been sort of an awareness of his talent, but I think it's, it's that consistency to his game. So I think it's definitely going to be worth a watch there as well. Um, based on what you know about Liverpool then and sort of how, um, not only how we've started the season, but just generally how we play. I mean, how, how do you expect Hughes to approach the game this weekend? Then, when he arrives at Anfield,
2: I think he's going to be very, very cautious of of the front three. Uh, the Liverpool have got a fantastic team. They've added they've they've added depth to to what they already had, and which is probably um, what hindered you last season uh, from the outside looking in. Um, but I think Mark Hughes is going to be really cautious. I think um, he might revert back to a back. A back five, three centre halves, and uh, and and the win backs to try and um, block out that that impressive front three. Um, I think that's the way we should we should approach it. But I think he's he's not naive in the sense to think if we go out um, playing a four four two, I think we could we could be on a, the the uh, the wrong end of a of a battering. Honestly, I think so. I think. Mark Hughes will, will approach it cautiously. I think he will, he'll look to frustrate Liverpool and perhaps with, with Shane Long up front, of course, Danny Ings can't play because of, of, of course, he's on loan from Liverpool. So I think with Shane Long up front, we will, we'll look to, to be effective on the counter attack, similar to what we, we did away at Arsenal last year. Um, although we lost 3-2, we put up a good game and, and we played five at the back with, with, uh, Long up front and, and, uh, we look good in that game as well. So I think it's going to be, uh, a more defensive uh, formation and uh, and and defensive tactics compared to to the the first five games of the season that we've seen so far. If there is an area of of, sort of
1: Liverpool's team where you do think you you could get some joy or through a specific tactic, I mean, I mean, what would that be at the moment? It's sort of interesting to sort of get rivals fans um, opinions on where they still see sort of areas or weakness in the team. In the Liverpool team, I know plenty of people are trying to talk us up as being this sort of um, you know, formidable force, and of course we start the season well. But I mean, is there an area where you look and think, "Yeah, we could perhaps get some joy here if we if we play to play to our strengths?"
2: Yeah, I think as I previously mentioned, if we we play with with the pace of Shane Long and Nathan Redmond, I think we can get some joy in the counter attack. Um, as much as I I really. Uh, Enjoy watching Liverpool's fullbacks. I think going forward they're fantastic. I think you look at Robertson's ball last night into the box. I think him and Trent have got big, huge Liverpool. But I think at the moment their their defensive capabilities aren't quite um, as fulfilled as they're going to be. So I think if we find space in behind the fullbacks, especially if they press on to if we sit deep and if they press on, then perhaps a bit of space between the fullbacks and and the centre backs of Liverpool will be exposed, and then we'll have to. Um, use our pace in, in, in chain long and and Nathan Redmond to to exploit that and, and catch Liverpool on the counter. Saying that it's not going to be easy. I think the midfield, of the the Liverpool as a team are on paper is fantastic, and they and they back up um, their qualities on the pitch. So I think we're just going to have to try and create space by making Liverpool commitment forward and then attack the space with the with the pace that we've got on the counter attack.
1: And for what you've seen this so far this season, just be interested to get your thoughts on. Mm-hmm. On, on who you see as the biggest threat in this team at the moment, because of course Salah hasn't perhaps started the season as, mm-hmm. um, on fire. as I think as, as perhaps some of the fan base unfairly expect him to, because of course yeah. he did set himself such ridiculously high standards last season. It's not like he's played constantly for months and months and months now or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Bobby Firmino scoring last night, um, despite, you know, seemingly going to be wearing goggles on the weekend if he plays and, uh, Mane looking sharp but a little bit waste, wasteful as well um, who, who do you look at and think yeah they're still the biggest threat
2: as you said about Salah of course Salah you, you know his talent and everyone knows how, how good a player he was and I, and and I, I think what hindered Salah um, was, was uh, the World Cup I'm not sure if he was 100% fit um, so playing for Egypt I don't think he, he should have featured and I think that's hindered him at the start of this season Um but I think that at the moment, looking at the opening games, I think our former player, Sadio Mane, is gonna be the most most threatening for us. I think his his pay, we obviously at San know what uh Mane is all about and we know his qualities and he's just gone from strength to strength at Liverpool. And I think he started the season the brightest out of that front three. Um and I think we've our, our back line isn't as pacey, I think the centre half Yannick Vestergaard and Wesley Hoyt don't boast uh, the quickest feat in, uh, in, in the Premier League. So I think the pace of, of Mane is going to be really hard to handle. And I am slightly worried about how this game will turn out. Um, because the pace of the front three as a whole is, is electrifying. But Mane himself, when he's in the mood and he has been for Liverpool throughout his time there, he's going to cause us some, some real problems this weekend. Mm.
1: it'll be interesting to see sort of what reception he and uh, Van Dyke get I know of course Van Dyke last time around got got a particularly sort of warm welcome back if if it can be said that of course but of course Southampton arriving at Anfield this weekend um, I'm sure he'll get the same sort of reception to be honest but um, yeah it's going to be it's going to be an interesting match thanks so much for sort of your insight there on Southampton there's plenty to be um, focusing on this season especially uh, I think there's lots of questions around the Mark Hughes appointment and also Southampton as a club as well, you know, want seemingly this um, sort of of stability in the way in which you were bringing players through through the academy. I think the way, um, the way in which people took players from you, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to put our hands <laughs> up there as well because of course we were one of the main culprits. Uh, and the way in which think you sort of maybe appointed the wrong managers. I mean, it's, it's been interesting to see how how things have sort of shaken up there. But hopefully you guys can provide some consistency this season. So um, we'll be bringing you back in towards the end, Sam, to sort of talk a, bit, a little bit more specifically about the game. Now, Mark, bringing you in, I mean, busy time for Liverpool, of course. I think we we knew that coming back from the international break, um, playing Spurs away. Uh, that was a tricky game. Came away with the three points there. Uh, and, and a performance, that I think, was really impressive, despite perhaps was not winning as... Impressively, as we should have done, given the sort of um, the way in which we cut through them at times. Follow that up with a win against PSG last night, thanks to that late Bobby Firmino goal. Um, you know, nice little jinken shot to the far, far corner as well. We know it's going to be a tough run here to the games that we've got. They come thick and fast. There are some tough ones uh, coming up. I'm sure to be um, finally some rotation in the side. But what I want to ask you, Mark, is what you've made of Liverpool's sort of last two wins. And what's impressed you most about those performances?
0: Hi, Harry. Yeah, very, very impressive to, to get the two wins, especially after the result at Wembley last year that was seen as a, a key turning point, really, for this season. I think that's been well mooted that there was a big debrief at Melwood after that result. And from then on, we sort of kicked on and the defence was a lot better. So it was just a very comfortable, a lot more comfortable than the 2-1 scoreline suggested, really. And again, I suppose the the difference between last season was the lack of ruthlessness, almost how many chances we were creating, but being wasteful in front of goal, really, that wasn't there last year. We were scoring for fun all year last year, but then with the additions that we've made, certainly Van Dijk and Alisson, a lot more stable, a lot more secure at the back, so not being punished as we were last year which which is good. Obviously, they only scored the one very late on, which could have been avoided, I think. If Bobby was still on, he probably closes down quicker than Sturridge might have done. So, unlucky to concede. But then, even that later on in the game, in years gone by, we, we could have collapsed and, and maybe conceded again. But there's more of a calmness, more of an assuredness to our performance at the moment and didn't really ever feel in danger that we weren't going to get the three points. And again, similar vein last night that heads in years gone by would have dropped when they scored a, a late equaliser so and got it to two-two. But picked ourselves up, went at it again, and and Bobby scoring the late winner fully justified win. They didn't deserve the points last night. We we dominated the game, and yeah, two wins from two couldn't ask for more. Two very tough fixtures, but I think we made it look easy. Might be going a little bit over over the top, but. We weren't in any danger in either game, really, on the whole, looking back at the very comfortable victories.
1: Yeah, I, I think the thing that's been sort of misconstrued, maybe, maybe with making it look easy, is, is the fact that I think we, we can all look at it and think there's great performances to take away from those games and there's individual performances to rave over as well. Um, aspects of, of a Liverpool performance that we're not used to perhaps seeing in terms of the way in which we've, as you mentioned, uh, you know, kept calm, defensively been pretty solid, you know, dominated games in a different way than you'd ordinarily see sides do in terms of dominating space and stuff like that. Um, but I think we can all say that we there's no way we've played um, to the top of our capabilities either. I think the front three having a sort of a slowish, not so, uh, perhaps that's a bit harsh, but uh, you know, slower than we know that that they can perform at, at start of the season um, they're allowed to of course because you know it, it appears that finally we, we got to the stage where we're a Liverpool team that doesn't have to score three or four uh, to feel comfortable um, in games and when, when, when we concede as you mentioned Mark we don't we don't wobble as much. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts about that PSG game last night because I was on post-match Raw talking about it and um, it, was, it was a weird game wasn't it in terms of the, terms of the lethargy that PSG tried to and tried to but it sort of showed at times that they weren't bothered at times and then when they turned it on you could see the quality was there um, how did you think we cope with that I mean do you think we managed to keep our intensity up despite the fact that it was sort of an odd game at times
0: yeah I think just to sort of contradict a little bit what Sam said earlier really I think he did Trent a bit of a misservice there and Robertson as well saying they might perhaps as strong defensively as they could get to they've Last night, they've kept Neymar and Mbappe quiet for the vast, vast majority of the game. And you're not going to get much better wide forwards than that in the game. And they barely had a sniff. Neymar, especially Trent, kept him quiet for the vast majority of the game. They just, it was a very strange game. They didn't play anywhere near what I expected to PSG, whether that's I'm doing us a disservice there and we played that well that we didn't allow them to play. I don't know, but they didn't seem to threaten us at all. There was no sustained period of pressure. They didn't seem to put us under the cosh, even even after they scored. I know was it Draxler that came on and sort of had that half chance where he could have scored, but they didn't. They didn't seem to go for the kill and go after us at all. We just seemed to be to be in control of the game from the off, really, which was surprising for a team of that calibre that's expected to go to go deep in the Champions League, maybe even win it with the way they've invested in the team that they've got. But they they had so few chances. And even, you were saying, I heard on the, the Raw show you did last night, the two that they scored were on a different game. They don't get them. Cavani's flagged offside, which he was offside and should have been. And it was luck the way the ball bounced to Mbappe. Virgil got got his foot in. He tackled it off Neymar. It was just unfortunate for us and lucky for them. That it dropped to Mbappe, he, he finished it very well, he took it well. But other than that, I don't remember Alisson having an awful lot of work to do. We we contained them, we sort of played the game at our pace, we, we kept them where we wanted them, and Trent was just in acres and acres of space down the right side. That was obviously a premeditated plan that Neymar's not going to track back, and the balls from Virgil and from Gomez out to Trent were evident all night that that was an available option to us.
1: Another player who got his chance, of course, as well, was Daniel Sturridge. Uh, people delighted to see him take his chance with the goal that he scored. What did you make of his sort of overall performance? Because I think we could see from Klopp's comments afterwards that there was a possibility of Firmino playing that game, and, and you know, later he comes on and, and, and has the telling sort of uh, um, moment in the game. But uh, what did you make of Sturridge's contribution? Klopp seemed to be very, very happy with the way in which he performed.
0: Yeah, you, you can't argue, really, can you? He scored the goal. Like- unlucky or lack of sharpness that he, he should have scored a second run off thought the second header was perhaps an easier chance the one he scored. But I think it was Dave that said it on the Raw show, the movement to get away from his marker for that goal. That, that's what Sturridge gives you. He's clinical. He knows where the goal is. He's a different player to Bobby. But I think Klopp used him smartly. He didn't ask him or expect him to do the work that Bobby did. It seemed that more... Milner and Ginny were were picking up the slack that we didn't have the extra press from the front man. They were a bit further up the pitch and snapping at the heels more and and covering that so he could do what he's good at. And I think just allowing him to do what he does, you get the best out of Sturridge. And he did. He definitely grew into the game more once he got his goal. He was more confident. He was getting on the ball more. He was popping up wide and, and he's such a good passer. I think his passing's underrated and not highlighted. When he gets the ball, he he drags defenders out to him, so it's creating space and then just lays off, lays it on. He's an incredible talent and to have a, an option like that, that's what we've lacked over the last couple of years. As, as Sam said, we've added depth to the squad now. That's maybe where we were la- lacking last year and he seems happy with that role. He seems to know He's not going to be a regular. He's not going to get starts week in, week out. But when he does, he scored two goals already this season and from from not many minutes on the pitch. If he can keep scoring at that rate all season, I think we're going to have a very successful season.
1: Yeah, Daniel Sturridge's sort of goals-to-game ratio is pretty crazy, isn't it? Because of like, yeah, he, he may not get as many chances anymore, but when he does... Um, he does exactly what Daniel Sturridge does and does a score goals and the, you're right to mention that second chance he had as well if he's played five or six games you, you'd probably back him to bury that wouldn't you in terms of him sort of putting that away um, but also I think on, on the physical side of things apparently ran up 11 odd K as well so it was good to see him look fitter than he has done for a while actually as well so yeah, touching wood here, crossing my fingers that he's uh, he's available for us all season because he, he's definitely a huge asset to us as well. Um,
0: definitely. I think Klopp's learned now how, how to use him. It's maybe took him a while to understand his body, his fitness. And again, it's we've had the argument for years, haven't we, when these players go off for international duty that, and not just England, the international coaches don't understand the players, don't understand their training regime. And I think he he had a wake-up call as well going to West Brom. He got injured very quickly there and he realised how good it was, how good he had it at Liverpool and that Liverpool's the place for him. I think I read an article today that pre-season training, he he thoroughly impressed Klopp. He got his head down, he got on with his training. Klopp said, didn't he, last night he's fitter than he's ever seen him before and he seems happy. So that's a happy firing Daniel Sturridge is, is what we all want.
1: No, of course, I think as well. Something sort of good about seeing uh, Daniel Sturridge sort of leading the line out there in the uh, you know, 2018-19 sort of championship run for Liverpool. I'm not sure many people would have predicted that a year ago, let's say, and uh, you know, scoring the you know, scoring a telling goal in that encounter against PSG, just reminding people what he does. I think that was it was really good to see. I think plenty of Liverpool fans have still got plenty of affection towards Sturridge, so it's good to see him uh, as part of the team as well. Uh, you mentioned the fullbacks, you mentioned Trent earlier on, I think they're increasingly coming under focus really because of just how involved they are this season. Maybe in a different way than we've seen, I think usually we, we, last season we saw them bomb on both of them um, considerably, whereas what we're seeing now um, is perhaps them a little bit more considered when we do have possession of the ball, um, whilst you know, both of them possess that incredible ability to, to cross the ball in, to whip it in, as we saw for Four storages goal, both of them providing incredible crosses. Mane missing out on one and started getting on the end of another one. And there are plenty of those moments throughout the entire game. Um, what have you made of both full-backs this season um, so far? I mean, they really do uh, appear to be a huge asset for us, don't they?
0: Absolutely. Brilliant. Superb. I think Trent was probably my man of the match last night. Just, I think he just edged it. Just outshying Mbappe,
1: said- didn't he, in terms of a teenager on the pitch?
0: I think so, definitely. They, they had barely had a sniff going forward. They were kept. And as you say, it seemed to be a preconceived plan. We knew Neymar wouldn't track back. So Trent was just in so much space there. Um we're so lucky now to have two centre backs that are comfortable on the ball, that can spray the ball out to him accurately, land him in space. And I think, as well, they were both sort of new to the team last year, weren't they? I think it was sort of November when Robertson broke in after alby got injured, and Trent, until probably January time, really had a, an ongoing battle with Gomez for who'd be right back, and he sort of made the position his own. So I think now the whole team understands them more, and they understand the team. So it's now we know, Milner knows, or Ginny knows, that one of them's bombed on, and they know to drop back into position. So there's more understanding between the full-backs and the rest of the team. And they know where they're gonna go and the quality of delivery, it's it's first class. I I can't think of a better fullback in the world that can put a cross in the way our two did last night. And when you've got the quality of our front three and then the quality of storage in the box as well, it's it's a brilliant weapon that maybe we didn't exploit as much last year because the front three were firing so much. They're not firing as much as of yet this season, but there's an extra dimension to our attack now as well. We can almost attack with five if you get the two full-backs wide and then Mo and M- Marne can come in a bit more and you've got three in the box rather than just Bobby in the box. It's it's a great weapon to have and the age they're at as well, they're only going to get better and better.
1: Mm. We mentioned at, at, at the start of this, uh, just the way much PSG approached the game last night and how I thought for a for small period of the game, certain players maybe fell into that sort of sense of casualness in terms of the way in which they were playing was so slow paced. Maybe we, we, we thought it was a bit easier than it was actually, actually going to be for ourselves. Um, one player who you can never accuse of sort of taking things lightly, um, not showing uh, any intensity is, of course, James Milner. I'm going to sort of hold my hands up. I think I've already held my hands up many times before this, to be honest, given how he performed at the end of last season. But I never saw this coming in terms of the, the, the renaissance that he seems to have had in the the impact that he's having on games, at least so far this season for us, uh, seems to understand his function and his role in the team perfectly, and and the t- and the tenacity he shows is is incredible. I'm sure his his tackle of uh, on Neymar early on seems to be going viral as well. Um, what have you made of him so far this season, and has it been as big a surprise to you as it has been to uh, to myself?
0: Absolutely, he's been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant in every game he's played. And as you said, that tackle on Neymar last night, that just seemed to set the tone that this is my yard. You're in my area now and you're not having all things your own way. And he just he's just everywhere. How he's got that much energy week after week, game after game, is beyond me. He is the ultimate professional, isn't he? I know he made the the joke after the semi-final last year about he might have a glass of Ribena, but he clearly does. Look after himself. He's the consummate professional. The last two years, hasn't he? He's come back to pre-season and he's been the fittest player back. It probably has helped that he's given up the internationals, which is a huge boost for us. That not only did he not have a World Cup this summer, he didn't then go away for the the week, play the two games on the international break. But there are other players that did the same that didn't go to the World Cup that don't play internationals and they're not having the impact or they're not looking as fit and fired up as he is he must be a dream for Klopp you know every week what you're going to get from him you're going to get 100% he's good on the ball he's good defensively he covers the full back and then the penalty he's just so calm and cool from the penalty spot you just knew that was going to be in what a yeah he surprised me an awful lot this season but long may it continue
1: yeah, for sure. I, I, I've certainly been surprised, but yeah, it's great to see. And it's seeing him sort of speak candidly about it last night as well. You can tell he's, he's put a lot of focus into sort of maintaining his fitness, you know, looking after himself and really just wants to play football for as long as he can. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see him being as influential as he has been so far this season. Also a great example to all the youngsters as well. I'm sure Klopp loves that aspect of how he I don't
0: think, any, I don't think when, if we'd have done a, a pre-season part, I don't think anybody would have had Milner in their midfield i think it would have been henderson fabino cater ginny or would have been ahead of him but now he's almost the first midfielder that you would want on the pitch he's had that big an impact so far this season
1: and you mentioned fabino there as well of course he got a very sort of brief debut there last night coming on right at the end we've waited to see him sort of be introduced people sort of um, uh, presuming Klopp's giving him the same treatment as we saw from Andy Robertson uh, and uh, Chamberlain to so, the you know giving him the tactical instruction. Let's face it, we we won all the games without him anyway so far, so why not give him a, give him a gradual introduction into the team? I, I'm interested you know, so far this season in the Premier League, we've seen a consistent lineup more or less, yeah you know, actually every single game. Um, I always saw sort of the, this month of of games is where we'd we'd start to see some rotation just because of the the sheer numbers of games and the turnaround time. Yeah, and just the the desire to give other players minutes. Um, you know, we saw the benefits of that with Sturridge last night, you know, him you know, feeling involved, being involved, scoring, etc. Would you expect this weekend's game then to be one where you know, the likes of Shaq and Sabino do come in?
0: I've been going through this over and over in my head all day. I think Part of me thinks he needs to play the front three. I think it's, it's, it's on paper, it's our easiest of a league games before the international break, isn't it? When you think... Chelsea away, Man City at home, but it's one where nothing but three points is good enough. We have to get those three points, and I think just a boost, even though they haven't necessarily been firing as much as they did last year. I think if one of the front three aren't playing, just a boost and lift that would give the Southampton dressing room. I don't want to give them that. I want to go full strength with the front three, get three four nil up, hopefully. Being overly confident. And then take them off and give them the rest there. I think the changes to be made are in midfield. Again, I think the defence has been solid. We've given away very little. So keep them playing together, they're playing well together. Keep the front three together. But yeah, maybe this is the game to give Milner a rest and give Fabinho a start. Maybe Cater can come back in. Henderson played very well last night. He's not got many minutes in his leg, so maybe he could he could carry on playing but I think I just don't want to give Southampton a boost. It's it's our first three o'clock Saturday game for I don't know how long. So there's no cameras or anything on there, and it's it's just one of those where you can't afford a slipper. You just can't, you can't take it for granted. So go full strength, get the goals, and then take them off. And then I think the Carabao Cup against Chelsea will be where they all get a rest. I don't think I think they're, they're, that's the one where you're going to make eight nine changes and then go again for Chelsea the week after. So you so
1: you would see Fabino coming in this weekend or not?
0: Or not? I think so, yeah. I, th- I think that's the changes to be made in midfield. So maybe Fabino to come in for Milner and then Ginny to carry on playing and then either, it seems to be at the moment, Naby or Henderson as the third midfielder. But all day I've been going over and over it in my head. I think now I, w- I would play the front three. I don't want to give them a lift, a boost. I want a, the front three... Need to find form almost again. It sounds a bit strange, isn't it? Because they have all scored, they've all created, they're all playing well. But Mo scored two against Southampton last year. I think I think he could do with with a couple. And I, I think as well, it's the press might over-egg it if if he doesn't play on the weekend after the bit of furor about his celebration last night and. I think he needs, yeah, yeah, which it's just, it's gone way over the top. It's ridiculous. He He celebrated first and then he was probably just a bit frustrated that he'd missed the chances and he'd given the ball away for their goal. But I think that's, without wanting to look like I'm going to get egg on my face, that's an opportunity for him to perhaps score against a lesser team than he's going to get against Man City or Chelsea. So... I would play a different three. And again, I think if one of them doesn't play, it just gives the opposition a lift. And it's a game where we can't afford to drop points. We dropped points in too many games at home last year where we drew against the lesser teams. And we just, we just can't afford to do that again this year. So much as there is a need to rest them and they can't keep playing every game, I would always play as strong a stronger team as you can, get ahead and then make the changes. So maybe one or two changes in midfield, but the defence and the front three to, to play as they have been all season, for me.
1: Sure. And from what you know about Southampton then, I mean, uh, what are you expecting from them? Are, are you expecting the same approach that we've seen from other sides this season as a coming town field being conservative, as uh, Sam mentioned there, trying to hit us on the counter-attack? Uh, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago, obviously a couple of seasons now, but that we saw Southampton come to us and frustrate us incredibly in, in sort of uh, every game they played against us that season. Um, are you expecting them to uh, to, to, to test us to, despite the fact that we we do go into that game with uh, huge confidence?
0: It was interesting hearing Sam before because they they have predominantly played the four two this year, and obviously Ings is ineligible to play. And Sam thinking that they would replace Ings with a centre back almost and go to five at the back. To stop us, which, which is a compliment to us. That's, it's, it's an away game, isn't it? So it's, it's one of them where Southampton probably think we're going to get nothing from that. That's a tough away game at a side that's competing for the league. So that's not where we're going to get our 40 plus points to, to guarantee safety or to push on in the league. So it's one of them where I don't think they're going to throw it away, but they are going to come with the aim to frustrate us and As Sam said, try and nick one on the counter-attack or from a set piece. But as I said, thankfully, we've been defending a lot better this year. So I think we can contain the threat that they have. And our quality up front should be enough to beat them. But they're not going to come and go gung-ho and go all-out attack at us. They're going to try and keep it tight for as long as they can. Try and keep in the game, frustrate the crowd, keep the crowd quiet and, and try and nick something be it from a set-piece, be it from a counter-attack, but similar game to Brighton, I think I think we're going to be on our toes and hopefully we're a bit more fluid, a bit more creative up front and when we're getting those opportunities that we take them, we're a bit more ruthless, the final pass is a bit more, a bit more on it and we should be able to open them up and score a few goals and then make it a comfortable afternoon.
1: How do you see it, Sam? I mean, I mean, what are you thinking are going to
2: uh, are going to be the key battles uh, on the weekend? Um, as I said, I think it's going to be a, the front three against our back our backline, our potentially our back a back five. Um, and again, I just think we've 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 got to try and create something on the counter attack. So I think it'll be the the key battles will probably be the the, the front three versus our versus our defence for the majority of the game, but I think then from our from a side's point of view, we we really need to to make the atta- attacks that we do create, and they're probably going to be few and far between uh, and count. So I think it will, will from our point of view will be the strikers um, trying to trying to uh, use their pace within the space that hopefully we can we can create by by frustrating Liverpool and and then uh, throwing bodies forward. Therefore, there might be a bit more space in behind. Yeah, for sure.
1: And Mark, in terms of, sort of looking at this game then, and and, and the games to come, then um, it's sort of weird, sort of asking you now what sort of approach you're expecting for Liverpool based upon what what we've seen sort of the tried and tested ways in which we play, especially at home. Um, but you mentioned earlier that you don't think Klopp's going to look to change it too much. Um, how we've been, been playing this season, if Southampton do come and dig in um who do you think's going to be key then to to sort of help them um help us break them down would it be somebody like cater coming into that midfield
0: i think so yeah when they have played i think that the relationship between Roberts and and mané down the left has been very good they seem to be building up a, a bit of understanding and i think that's that's what's going to be the difference isn't it the the creativity the playmaker if you like for midfield that can spot that pass that can open up a a tight, well-drilled defences. I loved Mark Hughes when he was Wales manager. Being Welsh, I thought he did a good job as Wales manager. I think he will get them with defensive discipline. They will hold a tight line. They will try their best not to gift us anything and be very stubborn throughout the game. So it's going to be key to to look for those little gaps that perhaps open up. And I think someone like Cater has the passing ability to find to find a Marnie, to find a Mo, to find a Bobby that's just got that little half yard of space and opened the game up and hopefully if we can get an early goal, but they'll have to come out a bit more and it's a different game then and should create more chances for ourselves.
1: Right then, guys, I'm going to put you on the spot then. Uh, and, and get both your predictions for the game. Um, Mark, I'm going to start with you. It sounds like you're pretty confident. I mean, you were, you were throwing around 4-0, 5-0, <laughs> 3-0 earlier on. I mean, you can tell we had a good start to the season. Um, but then you also did mention sort of Sparky's ability to, to, to drill aside, get them disciplined. I'm sure he's going to try and be as tight as possible when he comes to, comes to Anfield on the weekend. What's the, the score you're expecting the weekend?
0: I'm going to be bold. I'm going to go four nil. I think this will be the one where where the, the, it clicks together. And as you say, against Tottenham, it could could and should have been four or five if if we're a bit more ruthless, a bit more clinical in front of goal. I think it's going to click this time. The late the late goal last night will have given everybody a boost. And yeah, four nil.
1: I'm enjoying that, Mark. I'm enjoying how I gave you <laughs> the complete setup up to sort of like be a little bit more <laughs> conservative. And, you still, and you, still came, no. you still came out with a 4-0. Um, Sam, feeling
0: bold, feeling confident.
1: Yeah, you can tell there, Sam, that uh, Liverpool fans are pretty confident at the moment. I'm, I'm sure they've got reason to be so as well. Um, but uh, what's the result you're expecting at the weekend? Obviously, I'm, hoping, I'm guessing you're hoping not for it to be as clear as 4-0. <laughs>
2: I'm hoping, but I'm not too sure. It'll, uh, I'm not too sure it's the case. Um, I think, I think if we can be robust and, and frustrate, I think I'm still going to go two 0 Liverpool. I'm not confident at all. Um, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it it won't turn into a into a big score because I think in the grand scheme of things, goal difference can, can be a big thing. So I think if you take a 2-0 two two loss uh, opposed to a 5-0 loss, four or 5 nil loss, it's always better. And there's there's ways to lose matches as well. And I think I'll be happy if we come away with our heads held high, if we've, we've shown a key, clear game plan and, and if we've shown uh, glimpses of quality, uh, Um, I think we can be happy if we, we perform well, but, but also ultimately don't come away with, with anything.
1: Sure. I think then I'm going to go Sort of bang in the middle then and go for 3-0. Um, gotcha. and I'm going to go for Bino starting and, uh, Shakiri as well. I am actually going to sort of go against Marks, you, know, de- you know, desperation to get the, to get the front three out there. I think Shaq's oh. going to play this weekend. Uh, it looked incredibly eager. Last night I was talking about how there was one point where he made about six different angles for, for Mane to pass to him, only to be ignored. <laughs> he looked a little bit annoyed about that, so I'm sure he's, he's very eager to get involved as well. But anyway, guys, thanks so much for helping me preview the game this weekend. Um uh, Sam, plenty of sort of interesting insight there on Southampton this season, and I'm sure it's going to be uh, interesting to watch how you guys do, and Mark as well. Um Great to sort of hear you. um the confidence that's clearly running through all the Liverpool fans at the moment, given how we started the season, um and your thoughts on how sort of the players are going to be uh, doing in this really packed month. So, um, anyway, guys, just, just before we go, I wanted to ask you if either of you have anything to plug.
2: Um, Sam, did you have anything to to plug on your end? Um, just come um, head to Fresh Saints on Twitter, um, uh, for, for articles and, and things that are coming out within the next few days. Sure.
1: Any, any, any new pods on uh, your side, Mark?
0: Uh, nothing I've done. The last one I did, I did the, the face off. We're guy after the Leicester game, which was really enjoyable. Always easier to do after after your sides won. The main thing to plug is AI Pro. I think it's fantastic. The content on there just gets better and better. The raw show after the game last night was brilliant. with you Dave and Trev and the King and AI has been fantastic. What a coup that is for AI Pro to have that on. And everybody should subscribe and listen to that.
1: Yeah, I'd certainly echo that. appreciate you do, doing my job for me there. <laughs> Mark, them, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. sir Kenny Dalglish. Uh, I mean, if you've got any sort of Liverpool blood throwing through you, I mean, you you'll want to listen to those pods. It's, it's, it's fantastic to hear his input there. So yeah, definitely echo Mark's comments down and subscribing for... AI Pro, but anyway, guys, thank you so much for uh, for listening to this um, sort of Premier League preview. The games are flowing thick and fast this month. Of course, we'll be off to Chelsea soon, um, but yeah, appreciate you guys listening, and we'll we'll be back next week to to preview the next game. So, thanks so much.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.